0: Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lennon alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York Sports Radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report, here on Tuesday, November 12th from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at londonbridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437, or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll play what you have to say on air, again, by calling 929-274-3437. This week, drama in college football, and not a great week to find the best teams in the NFL. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that was a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. In many sports, the National Football League, we say on this show, nobody circles the wagons quite like them. The NBA continues to pick up steam in the early going. And now we've reached the point of the year where we can obsessively talk about college football because the Entertainment Tonight college football rankings first came out last week. They will be announced again Tuesday night with still more interest because of what happened this past Saturday. People will be glued to their TV sets, and that's exactly what this committee wants. They can say all they want about why team, what team is better here and why this team is better than this one, but really, they just want you to watch their program, and we'll get into all of that. But some excitement on Saturday, Al. Alabama LSU, the Tigers finally knock off the Crimson Tide and their, I believe, eight straight games of not being able to beat Alabama and Nick Saban. Success. For Ed Ogeron, success. For Heisman candidate, Mr. Burrow, success for all of Louisiana, as Coach will let us know after the game. It was exciting, and I I thought the better team won. To be honest, I took LSU with the points. That doesn't mean anything on this show, as you know, when it comes to us picking games, but it was an impressive performance to see them actually be able to go out there, especially on the road, and get the win.
1: Well, Johnny, it was a tremendous weekend of college football, uh, and not uh, to grab the National Football League as well. But front and center uh, in Tuscaloosa for late Saturday afternoon, it, it wasn't an epic all-time classic game, but it was certainly everything you hoped it would be. It lived up to the hype. It was the two best teams in the SEC, uh, arguably the two best teams in the country with all due respect to Ohio State, but for Ohio State in the mix, And Clemson is certainly two of the best four teams in the country. But here's what was interesting about the game. In my mind, I really thought that LSU went in and flat out kicked their ass. They weren't a question of who were the better team. I thought they were the dominant team. Because let's take a look at what LSU did at Tuscaloosa. They went in and they went up and down the field with their Heisman Trophy candidate and, in all probability, their Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback, Doe And Alabama could never stop them. They never stopped them. A couple fourth-and-ones that they decided to punt on. One fourth-and-one they were going to convert. They called for a delay of game. And then another fourth-and-one that I think they would have had the first down if they had gotten a replay from the other side when the little running back was falling forward with the ball, Looked like he stuck it over the yard marker, but they didn't have an angle there, so they wound up being short on that one. They went up and down the field the first half from beginning to end. They thoroughly dominated the Alabama defense. And then on the flip side, to make it a relatively competitive game, let's look and see how Alabama scored. Their first touchdown was a material punt return that turned it into a game. Their second touchdown was a bomb down the left sideline when... Daryl Stingley, the late great Daryl Stingley's grandson, got caught looking at his own bench and took his eyes off their prize, one of their, pro, their prize, one of their many prize wide receivers, who blew right by him for a 60-plus-yard touchdown pass to make it a game. And then their last touchdown, when the game was over and a two-score game, for some reason, the same kids up there playing bump and run with a minute and change to go. From the 15-yard line. And a two-score lead. And he gets blown right by for an 85-yard touchdown. And they scored 15 seconds, and all of a sudden, they have to recover an outside kick. It looked like a close game. LSU dominated that game. They were the better team the entire game. They were penalty-free. Alabama made a lot of mistakes. Alabama had two huge turnovers that two of them made. Fumbled the ball on the way in for points. Turned it over at the end of the first half. The customer touchdown. I thought LSU was the better team. I don't want to have this was a one-score game. My answer is a one-score game. This was a two-score game turned into a one-score game by a terrible coaching and or player decision. And quite frankly, if not for a couple of goofy plays, could have been a three- or four-score game. LSU was the better team from beginning to end, and I believe that Joe Burrow sealed the Heisman Trophy in Tuscalo- Tuscaloosa Saturday night.
0: It was a beatdown, and the final score will allow you to believe it was a close game throughout, but LSU put their foot on the throats of Alabama in the first half and built a lead that they weren't going to relinquish. It was impressive to watch both their defense and offense. We assumed it was going to be strictly a quarterback show with Burrow and Tunglia, as I like to say, or Tua. And it ended up being a running back show. Both guys, one from LSU, one from Alabama, running all over the field. Anything you can do, I can do better type of game. And that brought another element of excitement to it. But what I want to say eye-opening because as someone that works for ACC Radio and has to watch a lot of Clemson football, and Clemson football being the only thing ACC (laughs) has as a whole throughout its entire conferences Clemson football so we're not watching much of anything else last year's national championship game where Alabama's defense just got torched now they play a team that is at a Clemson level and gets torched people Again. aren't used to seeing this but exactly. it's become the Achilles heel of the past couple years worth of Alabama's teams it's nice to have to Deshaun
1: Watson did it to him
0: exactly it's, it's nice to have the quarterbacks, it's nice to have the wide receivers, but that defense has been getting torched, and it's been kind of going under the rug a little bit. Another Ohio game, State, though, where you see it happen.
1: Ohio State did it to them in the Final Four. Clemson's done it to them twice in the Final Four. Georgia went up and down the field against them in the championship game before Kirby Smart pulled a rock. Right, And, I mean, the LSU game plan, was nothing short of, quite frankly, perfect. And Joe Burrow was just on all eight cylinders. He ran a tremendous attack, multifaceted, used his brilliant wide receivers, used Randy Moss's son, right, the big tight end, used his running backs, his, his little running back, pound for pound, maybe the best player on the field. I mean, he was nothing short of stupendous the way he played in that game. He was literally the little engine that could. He did everything. He ran the ball. He blocked. He caught passes. He broke tackles. I mean, he was literally the best. I thought he was the best player on the field. And that's saying a lot because there were an awful lot of tremendous players on that field. Let's just put it this way. He played the best, I thought, of any player on the field. Burrow was brilliant. Tua was excellent burrow was just about perfect made no mistakes threw a couple balls in the traffic that were caught trusted his arm he's got some real moxie he ran the ball with authority the fake quarterback draw and then step back and throw the ball down the middle in the first possession when it was a one score game take him down through make it a two score game uh when they had the second and short Instead, of, you knew something was up. They get up to the line of scrimmage. They stop running clock, and they ran the play very quickly. So you knew he had something up his sleeve with that play. Boom, he rolls left. He's all alone, takes it down to the five-yard line, and then the kid takes it in on the next play. It was just the offensive schemes that they ran against the Alabama defense. They run a lot of 10-2s, as Gary Danielson likes to say, where they throw the ball between uh, you know, 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock in, in terms of if, you, if you're looking at, uh, a clock they Like 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 to use the middle of the field, and they just they they had Alabama in a quandary defensively. Everything they did worked, and, and it was it was such a beautifully designed game plan to watch. And I'm very happy for LSU. I'm happy for Coach O, who has finally gotten his chance uh, to be a coach of a quality program. He got screwed at USC. When he had the interim job and did a terrific job, they passed him over for the full-time job. He's been he kind of looked down upon because of his Southern accent, but man, uh, kids love him. They're gonna run through the wall for him, and he has basically laid down the gauntlet. Uh, he told his kids we were the better team before the game. He said, "I'm just gonna win the game. You're gonna win the game because you are the better team." He's absolutely right. And, you know, and, and when he has every interview, go Tigers. You gotta love him. that raspy voice. I mean, this guy's got you know, the Bayou born and bred, and I'm just really happy for what seems like a really good guy and a fun guy and a dedicated guy. And those two players down on the field at the end of the game, Burrow and his little partner in crime, uh, literally tears in their eyes. It was, it, it makes, It's why we watch is the best way I can describe. That's what we love about sports. That's why we love to watch it. That's why we love to talk about it, to see the maximum effort that those two guys put out there and the emotion they had at the end of the game about what they had accomplished and your borough transfer from Ohio State and the running back uh, from Louisiana, uh, you know, going back home and so excited about going back home with the W uh, for the hometown fans. I just thought it was a, a, a tremendous college football happening. It wasn't the greatest game of all time. But it was an event, and I thought it was a terrific college football event.
0: Yeah, and so much for it being on at 3 o'clock and no one was going to watch it. (laughs) It was a must-see college football game, which I'm sure the higher-ups involved with college football can appreciate it since it it comes a couple weeks before uh, the season has more meaning and and games mean more and you get into the conference championship play. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire... 103 yards, three touchdowns going up against Najee Harris, who had 140-something and a touchdown. 31 for 39, 393, and three touchdowns for Joseph Burrow. And
1: a a caught one, remember, also.
0: Right, he did. And then Tua, 21 for 40, 418, four touchdowns and one interception. It just seemed like every big moment, for LSU's offense, and even its defense, but more so the offense, where it was a third and 10, or a fourth and short, or a play that Alabama needed to get, and you you somewhat almost lean toward, of course they're going to get this stop there at home, but whether it's Clyde to Glide catching a short screen, and lowering his shoulder, getting a first down on third down, or Burrow rolling out... These these quarterback Tremendous draws that, that work to perfection where everybody and their brothers running on the other side of the field and there goes Joe Burrow to the other side. They had, as you mentioned, everything dialed up and ready to go at the perfect situation. And again, it's another game where you watch Alabama facing a team of their caliber and it ends up becoming a clinic. We saw it in the national championship, and we saw it again Saturday afternoon in tonight, which leads us to now what the discussion will become Tuesday night into Wednesday and through the next several weeks is, is that loss enough to knock Alabama out of the top four for the college football you.
1: Let me ask you a question before we get to any of this.
0: Because you're the young Turk
1: and I am am the old goner who for years wanted what I have. I wanted... A four-team playoff. I wanted it for years. I wanted it with the bowl games with the semifinals. I spoke to Mike Francesca about it 20 years ago. We said it would never happen. Got up and out, oh, bulls bullsnova. Um, and my idea was it for it to be it was integrated into the bowl games. I spoke to Mike Trangisi about it, the then commissioner of the Big East. He said, Al, we're working on it. Um is four enough for you?
0: It's not the end of the world. I don't need to get on a soapbox and scream for eight. I, I think it, it gives you the feel that we've had in college football, different from other sports. When the BCS was involved and the computerized systems, you had to be the two best teams to get to the national championship. One of the most difficult things to achieve just getting into the game was that those years where there's multiple undefeated teams it's it's by decimal points who's going to get in and unfortunately it's it's by algorithms and and ones and zeros and not by what other people wanted uh, a populist being able to look at what was going on and say this is why this team should be in this is why that team should be in i've loved the college football playoff I like the opportunity that the four best teams now get the chance to play it out on the field. Don't worry about the computer and what that has to say. Go out and show me something. And you have an opportunity to get hot. It's in a similar way to baseball. Not as similar, but, hey, you play your two best games of the year when it matters. You pull a Nick Foles, lead your team to the Super Bowl. You're the national champions. I think that adds an incredible element to it. If it goes to eight, it's not going to be the end of the world for me. It it will be exciting. But you run into problems now already, as we know. Who should get in? Do conference championships matter? It should be the the power five teams and then throwing it. There's going to be arguments for it forever. But what you have to make sure you don't do is run into the problem, I don't want to say problem, but it's become one in in some senses of what the NCAA tournament is now in college basketball, where you've just continued to expand and continue to expand and continue to expand, and now the regular season pretty much means nothing. If the college football regular season pretty much means nothing, that's just not going to sit well with the sport.
1: Exactly. That's why it needs to. See, if you have Ace, twelve will claim that they have a rightful spot.
0: It's just going to continue. It, it'll be it, so it, now. It's, it's just, uh, there's look, four or five have, teams six, that want to get in now.
1: A field of sixty four, and there are always eight to ten teams bitching and moaning. Yeah, why didn't we get it's, in? It's obviously since been expanded, but when it was sixty four, you had eight to ten teams screaming bloody murder. Right. Four or six that were absolutely total and complete hostgiant. So what are you going to have now? You are going to have, with eight, you're going to have four or five with a legit claim, with their one loss or their two losses, and saying, how, how, how are we not in this? How do you cut it off at eight? How do you leave us out? That's why four is perfect, because I would rather have two or three left out, if need be, with one loss than too many getting in. Four is perfect. The season is Is everything in college football? I don't want a 16 game playoff. I don't want quarterfinals. Semifinals are perfect. Worst case scenario, you have one team on the outside looking in. Worst case scenario. That's what you may have this year. I don't know. It'll have to play out. Will it be Alabama? Will it be Oklahoma? Will it be Baylor? Will it be Ohio State? Will it be Minnesota? The way this is all set up, it looks like we have a real good possibility of having three undefeated teams. However, what's the surest bet of that? Clearly Clemson. Because, no disrespect to you and your network, we know the ACC is in a downtime. And Clemson is clearly the class of that conference. And at the top of the NCAA college football heap, no doubt about it, defending national champs, wonderful team great quarterback, tremendous coach, weapons galore, clearly a top 14, maybe the best team. Could have easily lost to North Carolina. Mac Brown and company goes for two. Well, you usually have one of those along the way, regardless of how weak your conference may be. Ohio State hasn't had one yet. Ohio State just has a stinker when they get killed. Oklahoma had One where they lost at K State, and they almost had another the other day when at Iowa State. Iowa State comes from behind, has a chance to tie it or win it when they go for two. They go for two, they don't make it. Oklahoma escapes and is still alive. Now, if Oklahoma beats undefeated Baylor twice, coming up in Waco, and then for the Big 12 title game, why is Oklahoma not in the mix? They certainly are. You got them in Bama. Bama loses at home to the best team in the country. Oklahoma loses on the road when they don't recover an onside kick which they did recover and got a tough call even though they were scored at will, scored on at will by Kansas State a good Kansas State team who ran it down their throw, got a big lead and Oklahoma came back has Alabama done anything yet to belong in that final four? not right now best thing Alabama's done is play a competitive game at home against LSU and lose they haven't beaten anybody Now, they've still got to play the Iron Bowl and a pretty good Auburn team with a freshman quarterback. But that's really it. That's going to be their signature win. That's really going to be it. Right. Alabama has to hope that things stay pretty much as they are. That Ohio State bats out. That means that they will have beaten or someone will have beaten Minnesota. That Clemson bats out. And that LSU bats out because that means they will have beaten, in all probability, Georgia in the SEC title game. The best thing that could happen for Alabama is for the three major undefeateds to stay undefeated and for Oklahoma to take out Baylor. Because then it's going to come down to Oklahoma, Alabama, and the Oregon-Utah And do we see Utah in the mix if they win that game? Absolutely not. Do we see Oregon in that mix if they win that game? Potentially. Depending upon how well Oregon finishes. Oregon can't have any more of these games where they win 35-32 at the gun. 31-28 at the gun. Oregon's got to dominate some people down the stretch.
0: Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. (laughs) He's Al Renato, I'm John Lund, we'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back, I'm John Lund, he's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. It will be exciting, and in those regards for who wins the conference championship for the Power Fives, we mentioned now it being two, three, at most, say, four teams that get discouraged that they didn't make the top four if you put it to eight and guarantee that the conference champion will be in for the power fives, and then you you pick three wild cards, as they say, now you're not only dealing with the overall we should get ins with the wild cards, you're dealing within conference teams then disappointed or screaming that they should get in, even if they, they don't win their conference championship. There could be even examples of that. Like, for Alabama's instance, they're not going to get into the championship game for their college. Well, what, let's
1: let's what, what if LSU loses to Georgia?
0: Right. There, there, there is that example, too. You'll, you'll just have so many people banging on the door every year. The committee has a hard enough time with four teams. If you bring like it into eight, it it's, it's... From
1: who I think are the four best teams along with Combination of the quality of their season. Now, right now, if I'm going to tell you who I think the four best teams are, undoubtedly, in no particular order, LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson are clearly the three best teams. They're all undefeated. LSU has had a juggernaut of a schedule. And they've beaten everybody at home, on the road. They've had some tough some tough tilts. You know, they've, Texas gave them a tough, tough game. Auburn gave them a tough, tough game. But remember, this is a schedule that, I, I mean, these are bumps in the road that they're facing. These are, you know, major hills. These are mountains that they are climbing. And so far, they've scaled them all. Ohio State. They battered everything in their wake so far. Absolutely obliterated everyone. What's the best team they've played? Wisconsin?
0: I guess it would be, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: And they've really taken a turn, a downward turn, and have not played nearly as well uh, since the Ohio State meeting. Now, Penn State, they were... In the top four, they went into undefeated Minnesota. Off to their best start since, get this folks, 1904, despite the fact that Minnesota won either four or five, I'm not sure many national championships, in the 30s and 40s, but this is their best start since, that's right, look it up, 1904 with P.J. Fleck, okay, the suitor, all right, diving into the crowd and body surfing, uh, after they, I don't want to say upset Penn State in their own building, but Uh, hold off Penn State with an interception at the goal line, Uh, and now you've got the Big Ten with two undefeated teams in Ohio State and Minnesota. You still have Minnesota having to play Iowa. Ohio State still has to play Michigan. So Something's, and then, obviously, the Big Ten title game. So something is going to have to give. Somebody's going to lose. They may both lose. Right. I doubt it. But at this stage of the proceedings, here's what you can say about Minnesota. They're bad out. They're in. If they get through that Big Ten schedule, undefeated and beat Ohio State in the Big Ten title game, they are absolutely positively in the final. Oh,
0: absolutely. You got it got to give them the spot. And on the
1: flip side, obviously, if Iowa State bats out, they're in the final form. The interesting thing will be Oklahoma, Alabama, potentially Oregon. Or, to a real monkey wrench into the plans, Baylor bats out, wins the Big 12, even though they've had some terrible wins, including the one this past week in a triple overtime against TCU. They beat West Virginia by a field goal. They had some ugly wins. But if they finish their season with back-to-back wins against Oklahoma, one at home and one in the Big 12 title game, and they go undefeated, they will be very tough to keep out versus a one-loss Alabama because they have won their conference and they will be undefeated. And Alabama's one loss will be at home. Who do I think the better team is? No doubt in my mind. I would make Alabama a minimum two touchdown favorite against Baylor. Even if it was at Baylor. So I would have a hard time putting Baylor into my final four under that scenario.
0: Right. I
1: think. But they just, they would probably make it.
0: I think what people need to do and this is incredibly hard to do because when the college football rankings come out for the first time and then for the rest of those weeks until the final one a lot of people view it as these are the four best teams in the country but it's not that's not always the case as it was for the first week it's a television show They want to drum-up conversation, and we had a ton of it throughout Sports Talk Radio, as you know, on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And now again, putting Clemson behind Penn State and some people arguing that Penn State's a better football team than Clemson. (laughs) Oh, sweet Lord. I'm glad that that only lasted, what, three days before the real Penn State stood up But it's stuff like that that they'll do and then be able to argue that would it be the case if that was the last college football playoff ranking? Of course not. Which is the frustrating thing about it. they leave And understandably so. They're
1: leaving themselves room for corrections. They're looking at the schedule. You have to remember, they have to look at the schedule that's already happened. Penn State played a tougher schedule than Clemson. Penn State was undefeated. So was Clemson. Clemson had beaten no one and had almost lost against North Carolina. Could have easily lost against North Carolina. They dodged a bullet. Penn State did not have any of those hiccups. So I didn't have a huge problem with Penn State being ranked ahead of Clemson. Not because I thought they were better than Clemson. They had had a better body of work than Clemson. They were undefeated, as was Clemson. And... I'm grading on a curve. I've got a market correction coming. I know what's ahead. I can do this now to give Penn State credit for what they've done so far. I can make the argument they deserve to be there. And they can continue to back me up by them winning. But once they lose, well, then I'm fine. I get it to plug Clemson right in there. Here is where if Alabama gets in. See, this is what we're true searching, and you talk about it being a TV show, and which it is. The last thing we want to see, the last thing, anybody who's a real football fan, regardless of who you root for, and let's take the uh, the favoritism, and the subjectivity out of the entire equation. Let's take the LSU fans and the Alabama fans totally out of the mix. The last thing you want to see as a sports fan, a football fan, and a college football fan is number one LSU against number four Alabama. That will be the most difficult task of the entire situation for the committee to navigate. How will they get around it? If they have three undefeated teams and we're a long, long, long way from them, it'll be very difficult for LSU to go undefeated. They still have a couple games left against quality competition, because you know how tough the SEC is. You can go out there and you can lose to anybody. And certainly coming off of this game, an awful high. I, should, I shouldn't use the term awful, but a, a huge high. You're ripe. I would say you're easy pickings, but you're right for all this. And then if you bat out, Georgia's a very good team. They're probably not at the level they've been the last couple of years. And they suffered some, some, some serious injuries over the weekend. And I don't think they're quite hitting out all eight cylinders as they have in the past. With their receiving core is not nearly what it was the last few years. They obviously lost guys to the NFL like Riley Ridley, etc. cetera, and the speedster that's in Kansas City. They lost their running backs to the NFL. They still have Swift, who's a fabulous player. But if you look at it from the perspective of what's ahead for LSU, it's still a tall task. But if they can pull it off, We see no reason why Clemson won't go undefeated. Tough road to hope for Ohio State. But, assuming they're in the mix, the team that still would be the fourth team would be Alabama, because it's the team that can't win their conference. It's the team that can't go undefeated. So where do you put them? With those two strikes against them, aren't they automatically number four? Well, sure they are. That's why we'd all rather see LSU against Oregon or LSU against Oklahoma. I don't want to see LSU-Alabama again.
0: Well, that's the tough a, part there, for there, the committee, too. It was a too. highly
1: competitive game in Tuscaloosa. Alabama had their chance against LSU. They shouldn't get another chance against LSU.
0: I don't Not think the, the committee round. wants that either, which is going to be the hard part for them. If I, I think this week's rankings is going to have Alabama in the top four. The AP top 25 has them in the top four. The coaches' polls, all that, which don't matter as much as they once used They're to. They're going to be fourth. I think the committee puts them fourth because of the television show aspect of it and because of the outrage that will come from it and the discussion that will come from it as well. So with them in the top four and those... As we say, probably the four best teams in college football. I think down the road, the last week of the season, should things remain the same and no hiccups come to those top four teams, I mean, the committee's not going to like having to put LSU and Alabama up against each other. They won't. So they're going to have to come up with something. (laughs) They won't do it. They won't do it. They'll either kick them out or they'll hope that something happens that. Could somehow bump down LSU. To well, t- here,
1: here, here is their hope. Here's their hope under that scenario in the perfect world for them if nobody loses. LSU squeaks by Georgia in the SEC title game. Right. And it's given a huge fall. And in the meantime, Ohio State just obliterates everything in their wake, they demolish Michigan by 50. They leave no stone unturned. They take no prisoners. The rest of the season, they do to everybody what they just did last Saturday. Was it seventy-three to
0: fourteen? That's right. They covered. That the final? they covered. Was, was it? Was it seventy-three to 73, fourteen? Yeah. Right.
1: They do that. They, they do that to everybody, in, virtually, you know, including Michigan. So you can't possibly look at them as saying what if because they destroy everything in their wake while lsu continues to win or better yet loses in the sec title to georgia and now right. you've got a one loss SEC, uh one loss lsu team which i think still has to get in unless they get you know beaten by four touchdowns against georgia But then you make the case for two SEC teams. And one of them is not Alabama. And then the committee has on their hands number one, Ohio State, number two, Clemson, number three, LSU, number four, Georgia, which has a much better ring to it for the committee.
0: Right. When you look at the matchups. They'd accept that. Plus, Georgia obviously has... Experience in these college football playoffs and has been in that position before, so they'll say, well, they're, they're... Let's,
1: put, let's put Kirby Smart in there again. <laughs> let's let's see what him. he can do. <laughs> let's see what Kirby can do to screw this one up.
0: For now, it's a TV show, and a lot of we're behind this 100%. I can't get
1: enough of it. I, can't get an, I, I love Four, I love what it's done for college football. I can't I love getting there. Forget about the final four itself. I love just getting there. It makes it so interesting, so intriguing with all the possibilities and all the power. Poly- I love the politics. I love the chatter. I love the controversy. I love the talk. And I think it's tremendous for the sport. That's why it needs to stay at four.
0: Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report.
1: And here's my question for you. We talked about 4 um, eight. Here's my other question for you. This is our transition. As we leave a, a great college football weekend and into the NFL, if I said to my partner, John Tiny Lund, you could sit down for the next four hours and watch a great NFL regular season game or a great NCAA college football regular season game, both with either a Final Four spot or a playoff spot, you know, on the line, and I don't mean, you know, a, a, a wild card spot to go, you know, 9-7. and seven. I mean 12-4 and four teams, Thirteen and three teams, etc. Would you rather watch the NFL game or the NCAA
0: game? Nothing circles the wagons like the National Football League. <laughs> but there are more slots in the National Football League. There is still something something special now about college football it only being four. And that's it. In the NFL you could say, well, I mean, you had your chance. If you're playing for the final spot, if you're playing for a wild card game, you could argue that there's plenty of opportunities. You have a lot more chances in the National Football League. College football, hey, (laughs) these are the four. That's it. You're in or you're out. I love
1: the emotion. I love the passion. I love the crowds. I love the pageantry. I love college football. And I also love the fact that I know I can't get screwed by a 63-yard interference penalty.
0: That's true, too. That's it true can't
1: happen. And there's some bad calls.
0: Or uh, roughing the passers.
1: They got, they got some bad calls. But they got a lot of reviewable calls. I don't care how long it takes to get it right. I know I'm not going to see a ticky-tack... Interference call, put the ball on the one-yard line, and give a team attention. Because that's the rule that should be in the NFL.
0: Unless it's third down. They
1: need to go to that rule. They don't need the replay for interference. They just need the college rule.
0: Third downs It's when the a logical rule.
1: It's the rule that makes the game fair. It's the rule that doesn't expose the officials to nearly as much criticism. And they just they just don't want to do why i have no idea it's the same game it's football same sport you know i'm, I'm tired of the mike francesa explanation you know well they'll just drag them down destroy them. they drag them down now they drag them down now when they're buying before the ball's in the air it's called holding illegal contact they do it all the time they're not they're not just going to go mug a guy when they're battling for a ball oh you know, the ball's up in the air. Let me just mug them, so it's only a 15-yard penalty. Of course not. They react to the ball. They react to the play. They're athletes. Let me just tackle them. They don't think that way. They're trying to compete. They think that way with the 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. When they know they're beat right out of the box, that's when they drag them down. That's when they grab them. That's when they hook them. And you have an illegal contact or a hold. They don't do that 45 yards down the field, you know, within a yard of the end zone where they're competing with the football. Never. Can't stand it about the league. Can't stand it about the sport. At that level, it's ridiculous. Plus, it assumes success. It's the only play in all of sports that assumes success. You can't even assume a double play. I don't know what happened to the shortstop flipped to the second baseman. Throw to first. Can't even assume the double fly. But for some reason, you can assume that a guy running a 4 3 with another guy running a 43340 3 3 on his tail, doing everything he can to prevent him catching that ball, with that ball 60 yards in the air, you can assume he's going to catch it. So for the ball, the one-yard line, if he gets touched, ask nine. Get it out. Get rid of it. Go to the college rule. That's why right, When I watch a college game, I don't have to worry about a debilitating decision that is outcome-determined to that extent on that play.
0: We could have did with that instead of the pass interference review rules that were exactly. enacted we this season, them. which have been preposterous. There's and rightfully so in, in a couple senses to it that the officials aren't going to go against themselves if it's too close to call, and they can argue in favor of themselves. They're always going to do that. And it's just been wasteless for teams to waste a challenge and waste a time out and have us absolutely. sit and watch the replays and have the people in New York chuckling to themselves, watching and be like, we're not overturning this. You're absolutely right. They got to get rid of that.
1: 100% right. There's no place for it. There's no use for it. It's a waste of everyone's time, players, coaches, fans there, fans at home. Move on. Move on. College rule styles on.
0: Well, not a good week for us in the. We've been trying to find a, a great, really great team in the National Football League. It took some bumps this week, Al. <laughs> <laughs> Chiefs go down to the Titans. Saints go down to the Falcons. To the Falcons. And not like not like week three Falcons, Week Four Falcons that we still had faith in betting in. Not those Falcons. These Falcons that lost those games and got to here with Dan Quinn cowering in a corner, probably every morning, thinking he's gonna get the call that it's over. They (laughs) sacked the Saints. I think they had the same number of sacks in the one game against Drew Brees that they had all season long up to that game. Unbelievable. The Lions quarterback's back has bones just floating around. (laughs) He can't play. They lose to the lowly Bears who pretended they had a good quarterback. The Bills go down to the Browns. The Colts go down. Granted, they're starting quarterbacks out, but Brian Hoyer going up against... It's magic like old times sake two gunslingers out there comes up short i guess the real the rams <laughs> sweet lord losing to the steelers in that fashion they they look completely out of it the one team that that gave you something in the snow was the green bay packers cuz we got to primetime sunday night football You could have bet your mortgage that Kirk Cousins isn't going to win a primetime football game on television and he beats the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. Woo! This week was wild and kind of opened the eyes to play for the bye in the postseason. Do whatever you can to get any advantage you can because we might see a couple upsets this year with teams that you think are great, but they have these stinker games. And again, those happen throughout a season, and we know that. But there's been a little bit more consistency to them this year. I think the postseason isn't going to be as much of a cakewalk, maybe, as we've seen in the past. But the team that really did it for me this week Aside from the Seattle Seahawks, which could end up being the answer later tonight as we record, Green Bay Packers gutted out a win in the snow against the Carolina Panthers and kept their record where it is with just two losses.
1: In a incredibly beautiful setting. In this setting we all want to see. We want to see snow in Green Bay. We don't want to see 10 feet of snow. We want to see exactly what was, I don't, I don't need to see 20 below. That was perfect. Conditions looked very playable, probably about, I'm guessing 25, 28 degrees cold enough to snow, but you know, I, I didn't have to see Tom Coughlin's face totally chapped and pink and red and worry whether or not I was going to survive the game on the sidelines. It looked relatively comfortable for the players, a snow falling, the field with a slight coverage, and a a play, you know, at the goal line to end the game, where since you've got one play left, you can do whatever you want. You can run it. You can throw it because, barring a penalty, it's going to be the last play of the game. They decided to run it. I didn't have a huge problem with the call. They gave it to the best player on the team. They gave it to the best player, arguably, decided. side of, uh, Aaron Rodgers, the best player on the field and, and an MVP candidate. So I had no problem with the call. No problem with the play. And they just came up a little bit short. They would also obviously have obviously had a two-point conversion. Uh, the bigger problem I had was Green Bay at the end of the first half not kicking the field. go up by two scores. Because after they had that many shots at it, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm, taking, I'm, I'm getting the points. I'm getting the points because I'm going to go back on the field the second half and take the football. So I'm going to take these three points right now because they're free. Not three. They're free. So I am taking them and running like a thief in the night. Instead, they ran the ball up the gut. Uh, you know, from the one, they lost a couple yards, and they went in with no points. But nice bounce-back victory for them against a, a pretty gutsy Carolina squad, as we all know, without Cam Newton. And uh, this kid's done a really nice job. Not drafted. Free agents. Uh, McCaffrey is clearly one of the best players in the league. Top three, uh, top four MVP candidate. I'd have him right now. Uh, I would have him third behind Russell Wilson uh, and Lamar Jackson. And I would have uh, Watson fourth. That would be my top four right now. Uh, but regardless of where you put him, he's a, a tremendous young player. And. You know I say he's the best back in football because everybody wants to rave about uh, you know the, the Dallas kid who did nothing this this Sunday night, McCaffrey is certainly the most productive. Let's put it that way. If not the best, certainly the most productive in terms of yards from scrimmage running yards from scrimmage catching it, touchdowns, uh, much better season than Elliott. I love loved him in college, and he outplayed Elliott last night. I love the Minnesota kid. I think Darren Cook is a fabulous player. I think he's the difference with this
0: Minnesota team.
1: But I, I think right now you would have to call McCaffrey certainly the most productive running back uh, in the national football
0: Last thing from us, is it at this point New England, your Ravens, and everybody else in the AFC than the Packers, the Saints, and the winner of the 49ers-Seahawks game, and everybody else in the NFC?
1: Uh, no. Uh, I, I put in the NFC I, as much as I, and I do detest saying it, but because of the arrival of, uh, of young Mr. Cook and the sudden consistency of the much maligned, especially by me, Kirk Cousins, I think you have Minnesota right in the mix with all those teams. You can't tell me that the Niners are better than Minnesota, or that Seattle's better than Minnesota, or that New Orleans, after getting pasted by the hapless Falcons, is better than Minnesota. Uh, I think there are a group of teams in the NFC that are all relatively on par with each other. Without a doubt. I do believe in the AFC that right now there are two teams that are head and shoulders above everybody else. Uh, I've taken K- Kansas City off the top line. You can't lose that game yesterday. Because that game was won. You had the game won. Couldn't put the game away. And you can't can't lose that game to the former Miami quarterback. can't do it. Sorry. It's playing well. Happy he's found a new home. But 29-20, you got to put that game away. Kansas City is showing. We know they can beat anybody. They're They're starting to show they can lose to anybody. That is a terrible loss. It probably kills any chance they have for home field. And I don't know how you get around saying that uh, the Patriots, as much as we hate to say it, and the Ravens, as much as I love to say it, in what would normally be a trap game for the Ravens, maybe not lose it, but coming out flat, getting a battle for 45, 50, 54 minutes, and then either having to pull the rabbit out ahead at the end or just finish the game. Instead, they just come out and completely destroy the Bengals with two more defensive touchdowns, another brilliant effort from Lamar Jackson. Again, it's the Bengals. But those are the kind of games where you've got to get out the can of whoop-ass and leave no doubt. And that's what the Ravens have done, with the exception of the Browns game. And the Browns are obviously not an awful football team as they prove Sunday by beating the Bills. They're just a the team that's got talent and has played off. Big difference. They have beaten up some terrible football teams to the point where you don't even have to play the second half. That kind of aggression, that kind of dominance, puts a swagger on you the way you walk, the way you move, your attitude, and the Ravens are playing
0: with attitude. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week.
1: Folks, enjoy the NCAA show for my partner, the great John Tiny Lund. I am Al Renato, aka Alpha White Plants. Have a great sports weekend.